This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Emily Thompson from Wellington, Florida. And you are listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for October 4th, episode 1534. It's coming. It's coming. I know. I'm nervous. I almost said maybe not for long from Wellington, Florida. <laughs> Brought to you today by As Equestrian and Walsh Products. Good morning, Horse World. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's Tuesday. It's top-class show jumping uh, at the very best. Every horse is different, and you've got to be able to understand and read each different horse. Remember, we're looking for those clears in this round to go forward to the jump-off. You can't ask for anything more. It's just pure theatre. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I had Emily looking out the window there. <laughs> oh, no. I know. I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm just getting you ready, okay, Matthew? Seriously. It's making it's his way. Now, Emily lives in Wellington, which is about two miles from the ocean uh, and about uh, right in the path of this hurricane. So, yeah. Are they evacuating yet? What's going on? Well, not yet, but you know, I, now I've like I, I have all of these sort of like potential plans in order because we don't know what's going to happen. But the information is probably about the evacuation zones going to start coming out while I'm on air. So I had to just tell everybody, just just pump the brakes. I got to do the radio, and then by that time they'll have the evacuation list out, and then we'll get going on what we're doing here. But that's a real possibility. I mean, I guess they have to see. Like, already it's come a little bit west towards us. Um, yeah, I think that's like, what happened overnight. They were expecting to be off the coast a bit, and now mm-hmm. they're, they're still not sure. It could be off the coast a bit, but it's so big. It's that, so big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, Haiti, crazy. poor Haiti. Poor Haiti. Oh, they I live know. in shacks anyway. They're poor as, as dirt. And here we are sending t- 40 inches of rain. I was already massive flooding in Jamaica. Um, and, you know, I uh, just feel bad for them. They have oh, no place to go. Well, and they had that earthquake not that long ago. I know. It's, yeah, they're still not recovered from that. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just, just terrible for them, uh, for all of them. And then uh, now we're looking at it heading toward you. Uh, so, yeah. So how many horses do you have there? 15 oh, and two on the truck great. coming down. And that truck is calling me. What do we do? Do we turn off to Ocala and leave the horses here? Do we come to you? I'm like, I don't know. You're at least an hour and a half away, right? Because I got to get on the radio. Maybe, and then maybe after Ocala that, would be a good spot. <laughs> stopover point <laughs> maybe but then you know it's hard because you think well should i put the horses somewhere else um you know those are horses i'm responsible for or like splitting up the herd is that the right thing to do like we'll see you know what they say um, now what would you do with all the horses 
because you let me describe where Emily lives. She lives in a freaking <laughs> swamp. Vietnam. She lives in a swamp. It looks like a lot like Vietnam, actually, in the old <laughs> films. It does because it is completely enclosed in, in live oak trees that are going to rain down branches yes. on her head. And then uh, because that's what live oaks do. There should be no branches left in live oak trees because they're always dropping branches on our heads here. So and then you got palm trees everywhere, which fall over in hurricanes. And then you're completely surrounded. And then if there's more than two inches of rain, she might as well have a boat. So and oh, and the last time Wellington (laughs) flooded, there were alligators and poisonous snakes everywhere. So, oh yeah, we're right next to the Everglades. Yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> you are horrible. too. You're really close. <laughs> Literally, like I can, yeah, I'd see it. So good luck with that, Emily. We'll see you next year. Oh, I know. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, it just that's my luck. This is the first time I stay down for the summer. I'm like, this is fine. I mean, it is hot. Like you sweat when you wake up, and everyone's like, I don't know how you're doing it, but that part we're handling. This, I don't know. This is crazy. I'm gonna. So what will you do with all the horses? I, that's what I have to, like I told everybody before I got on the radio, (laughs) we're just going to have to wait and see what the evacuations are, how serious it is in the next couple hours. And then all the owners have to decide. It's going to be like a little line of elephants in an old fashioned circus parade. (laughs) By the halter to the tail in the front of it. (laughs) Yeah. Lead them down the road. (laughs) Oh, I know. Ride them out of town. (laughs) I mean, if there's like uh, some sort of natural disaster and we have to move trees and things like that, thank God I have the big stallion. I've got Glory, the big boy. He can pull down trees. He can move trees. He can do all sorts of things. And he's very tall. Is Is there an evacuation? Like sometimes the racetracks open up, things like that. Is there an evacuation location for Wellington? They, I don't know about, I mean, for people, for sure. No, um, but I meant for the horses. For the horses, basically. Because sometimes they open up like rodeo grounds and towns and things like that, or racetracks and stuff. Like something like that most likely would happen. Also, you can just independently kind of get to a different barn. You know, people that you know will offer up their barns if they're not there, the more cinder block barns. Um, A couple people down here I know um, pay for a service, an annual deal where it's like a hurricane uh, tornado protection. And if they do an evacuation or the people want to leave, the big rigs will all come down here and just pick up all those horses that are that are protected with that that service and they drive them. I guess they just keep driving. They don't even lay over. They just like keep going and going and going until the storm passes and then turn around and come back. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't know how you do that with what's about to be seven. Okay, we need to we need to find a horse van company. That yeah, does that. we need to talk to them. That would be an interesting that conversation. Jungle, right? Yeah, what exactly do you it's do? Like put, it's like putting the president on Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, in emergency. Like just fly around, driving around. Totally. The hurricane's gone, and then I'll we hope that them. wherever they came from is still there. Uh, oh, I know. Because yeah. when she said that about, then they turn around and come back. I was like, what about the state of emergency? What about the? <laughs> yeah. what, what about, about the, the fact no the five five feet of water in my barn? Oh, I know. I mean, you know how it is when I mean we're joking about it, but it's not a joking. <laughs> not no, where Emily we're lives. Laughing. <laughs> we're laughing until ten thirty. Is what I told everybody, and then we're going to take it seriously. <laughs> and I guess they're looking for it hitting down there Thursday ish. So you don't got much time uh, either. Yeah. No, that's kind of the deal. So we just. Uh, yeah, we'll just see. I mean, I can move horses depending on what all the owners want. I mean, if I have horses here, I think I need to stay with whichever ones are here. Uh, not just leave one person. I've got my barn manager, Susan. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I've got people wanting to come to my barn to evacuate their outside situation. So they make, you know, mine's better than some. But, you know, for the rest of the horses, depending on the severity of it, they, they may need to 
go north as soon as possible. Hmm. Well, good luck with all of that. We're thinking yeah. about you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check in after. We're after thinking we about power at least in, in Ocala, we're, we're inland, so we usually don't get it quite as bad. Now, we were without power the last hurricane that went through for about a half a day. Um, and yeah. that's just because a tree literally up the street from us fell across the power lines. Yeah. Um, you know, that, one of those live oak yeah, trees. I think, there were, <laughs> yeah, there was, I think there were a total of two trees down in the entire neighborhood, and one of them had to fall on the power lines. But you're right about that here, like with all the trees and the, the ground so wet, you like all these things are coming down. You know, it is interesting with live oak trees you, because you see them and they're huge and massive and you know they've lived for hundreds of years. But anybody that's lived around live oak trees goes, how the heck have they lived this long? Because it seems every storm there's branches down. And it's like you look up and you, you can't figure out where that huge branch came from. And they just keep shedding branches and they never seem to, they always seem to be growing bigger and bigger. I don't get it. Uh, Got to be the root they're, system. They're strange trees. <laughs> they are strange trees. Well, hopefully they don't uh, all come down. We do have some on our property, right? You were there. Oh yeah, yeah. You got you got all kinds of trees in your <laughs> oh, property. Yeah, you're in bad shape. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, you're, every every tree they place. make, you've got one. Do you have a boat, by the way? Do you have a boat? I've, I'm going to bring a boat. Yes, yeah, okay, and uh, can you, you know, sleep in Lori the boat? can swim. <laughs> I've actually paid good money in swimming lessons for the big stallion because he can't do a lot of work. So there you all go. things <laughs> fall apart. <laughs> I do know that the man can swim, so I can ride him to the feed store probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Go get your bread and milk. I saw they were already running out of water at the grocery stores. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll try and get you out of here early today, all right? And we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's my last little shred of, you know, normalcy. I told everyone 1030, not a minute before. Jennifer, what is coming up on today's uh, very wet, hurricane-y show? Coming up on today's Jumping Edition, Danny Beavers is going to stop by and tell us about making the transition from amateur to professional. It's not as easy as you think. And then Jennifer Chopping is going to bring us the story behind Caring Hearts for Canines. And then Aaron Gilmore has the Noah Floyd Report as we gallop through the finish flags. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. All right. Well, while Jennifer is lining up our first guest, uh, who's from Texas, she should be safe. Uh, we, I wanted to tell you a little bit about tomorrow. If you, if you didn't hear yesterday, we're having a special show for you tomorrow here on Horses in the Morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. And that is our special Disney, annual Disney episode. And tomorrow it's going to be a special Animal Kingdom episode. One year ago, we went down to Disney and we talked all about the horses at Disney and the different things they do with the horses and all of that. And we talked about Walt and his history with horses and showing and how much he loved animals. Well, tomorrow we get a different look at Disney World, and that is from the backstage at Animal Kingdom. Uh, we have about, I think there's a, there's eight or nine guests coming on tomorrow, most of them with doctorates, much more than we are, Emily. Um, <laughs> most of them with Sorry. doctorates who are going to be talking about all the different animals, rescue efforts that they have at Animal Kingdom around the world. And, and so we're going to get a look at some different animals tomorrow. We're going to be talking about gorillas and elephants and sea turtles and uh, butterflies and birds and tamarins. Uh, so there's a whole bunch going on on tomorrow's show. You're definitely going to want to tune in. We, they have been so good to work with. I've been working with them over the last month getting this all set up, and they have everybody all lined up, and it should be a lot of fun once again working with the Disney folks, and this time talking about all the other animals hanging out at Disney World. So that uh, I'm just looking forward to it. They're always That's fun. That's cool. To, yeah, they're they always... They have so many, right? I, I didn't realize it, it's really... 
They have uh, a lot. And they do a lot of the, the their uh they have a group and that we're gonna be talking to them tomorrow too that goes around the world helping animals. So we're gonna be talking to them as well about their relief efforts and their rescue efforts and things like that around the world. Yeah, uh can you imagine if they had to do an evacuation? Yeah, I don't know. They I probably, mean, I'm sure they have a plan. You know, I'm, I'm they, sure they, they do must. have a plan. That's all I think about now. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> what would you do if the hurricane was coming to you? That's right. <laughs> With That's all right. those animals? Speaking I of which, mean, Jennifer, we don't really have a plan. Um, uh, so... <laughs> Me neither. No, we don't. Okay. No, we don't have a plan. Uh, well, you got till Thursday. Who do we know in Georgia? We're coming. We're coming to your house. Uh, that's oh our gosh. plan. Well, well, one of those well, tracks. That's going to be my step. That yeah, my next closest uh, relative is going to be. Uh, we have some in Tennessee. Well, you know what? Elisa Wallace is in Georgia, and they live on top of a mountain. So that's perfect. That's the place. Oh, to that's go. Elisa. That's we're it. coming that's up with our horses. That's it. You're going to get company soon. <laughs> that's probably the right move. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't stay in the swamp. Whatever you do. <laughs> All right, Emily, your first guest is ready. Yay. Okay, we have our first guest is Miss Danny Beavers, one of my favorite people from Texas. Welcome to the show, Danny. Hello. Yay. I'm so glad you made it. <laughs> yeah, I almost too. got her. I almost got her. La- was it two episodes ago? I wanted to have you on. and uh, But that was the, the fateful episode after the 4th of July, which was very, very hard. To coerce people to wake yeah, up no. in the morning. <laughs> Nobody's functional after 4th of July. No, I know. So we missed her. But I'm glad we got you on this time because it's actually uh, on the heels of our Germany trip. Danny came with me to Germany um, to go to school, which was so much fun. And uh, we learned a lot. But Danny is a young professional from Texas. She's been all over showing. I actually trained her as a munchkin. I taught her everything she knows, even the high hands, <laughs> which I'm proud of, even though they told us it was bad. I think it's effective. <laughs> but so you, what I thought would be All really my bad habits I learned from you. Oh, I know. I know. That's why I came clean. I told them at school. I said, I'm sorry. I taught her everything she knows, including the high hands. You know, what are you going to do? But so I thought it would be really great today to talk about your transition from junior, amateur, and then to being professional. Yes. It was uh it was a good career choice for me. Um I mean I like you said, I rode all around as a junior and amateur and I mean I showed everywhere. It was great opportunities, but it kinda got to the point where I was at a crossroads. I could no longer do that without finding some sort of income. And uh it's kinda hard to find enough income and be able to travel around. So it just made the most sense to kind of go with a professional aspect. And then I had a friend of mine that was looking for an assistant trainer around the time that I decided that I wanted to keep showing, but couldn't afford to. And it was kind of, you know, fate that it happened. She whisked me into that world and been fun since then. Train a couple people, get enough money, go show, have a couple clients pay for you to, you know, take one of your horses and go. But very and helpful. You- so, and you've been doing this professionally now for how long? Um, coming up on about two years. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, how old are you now? You're about to have a birthday, but... I'm going to be 25 this month. 25? You're going to get that fancy riding crop I told you about. She's just a puppy. <laughs> I can't wait. She's, I know, she's, she's just a puppy. Munching. She's just starting. 
<laughs> she is. But I thought it's it's such an interesting story because this kid works hard. She rides really, really well. She showed had some nice horses as a as a junior. They were green, so she had to put in the work. Um, but it's it's not an easy transition. It's a lot of hard work, and that's what I really wanted to highlight with your story, which is so. I mean, it's it's inspirational, really, how much you put into it. And at a young age and being determined to take those steps, even like going and taking the course in Germany, those are steps that you're taking professionally to uh, stand out, you know, among your peers, essentially, because, you know, business is business and it's uh, competitive out there. So I, I well, think this industry is kind of hard. There's so many people that, you know, we're all doing the same thing with all the same goal and you have to, you have to find ways to make yourself kind of step out from the herd so that people can see you. People want to put horses with you and people want to, you know, invest in your business. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And you have to play to your strengths too. And for you, Mm -hmm. uh, you tell, tell us a little bit about your, how you got started as a younger junior, you know, through the ponies, the, um, you know, first jumper equitation that what was your sort of background showing wise? I started in the local circuits around here and, um, you know, we bought horses and we, I showed them all the way through. I mean, in the local circuit it only goes up to three foot hunters and I got to three foot and I was year in champion. And my mom looked at my trainer at the time and was like, all right, so where do we go from here? Cause obviously I wanted to continue moving up. My mom believed in me and my trainer said, you buy a new horse and start over. And that didn't really sit well with us because it didn't really leave any room for growth. It was like, oh, let's just keep playing the same game over and over. So I ended up, we kind of, you know, strayed from the barn, which is never appreciated by the trainer. And my neighbor actually bred dressage horses. So one of them wasn't going to work out for dressage. We went and looked at it and my mom, you know, cried immediately when I trotted it, which is always how I know. We're buying a Damn horse or not. If she gets chills and cries, we're going to own the horse. And um, so she did when I was trotting him. And thankfully, the woman that we bought him from knew Emily. So I was lucky enough to get to ride with her as a junior. And they took me to, you know, my first rated shows, circuit shows. And it started off in the jumpers because I'm not really a hunter rider. I'm, I won't lie to you. Um, I'm going to add in the lines. And we ended up buying... I'll add in every line. I will. I'll chip in. I'm sorry. (laughs) When in doubt, leave it out, Emily. That's right. That was our slogan in Germany. When in doubt, leave it out. (laughs) They kept yelling at me. Why are you going so fast? I'm like, because there's a clock. But there's no clock here. I know, but I spend my days like there's a clock. I can only go so slow. (laughs) But you're that girl, too. I am. I am. But so we ended up getting an investment horse with Emily. And it just so happened that we were at some show and we decided that I was going to ride him. And I mean, it was kind of all downhill from there because <laughs> it went perfectly. Well, not really, but it was going to go perfectly eventually. And I mean, from that point I did all the shows, won a whole bunch of stuff and really, really got interested in what we were doing. And it's kind of like a disease. You can't, you can't make it stop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's true because you took a little break, right? Trying to find riding. more ways to 
get my fix. I need to write that down. I'm going to save that one right there. It's <laughs> kind of going to be playing that one over and over and over again. It's kind of like a disease. You can't really stop. That's perfect. It's true, though. But And I think part of that element, though, is really finding what your talent is and then developing it. It's a lifelong uh sport craft you know you're not you don't there's no no real arrival um so finding where you want to put in your efforts uh, again like going to the school in germany but for you i think what really took off was the realization how uh well and confidently you were able to develop the green young horses which is not for everybody but tager was barely saddle broke right when you got him yeah yeah and then the five-year-old. Yeah, and I mean, he was he was with you guys for a while, and then you were right. like, "Just take him home. He needs to learn to canter." So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was barely, <laughs> barely broke. Totally I don't know. That's even green broke. He was basically saddle broke. Yeah. <laughs> and then that horse. How far did you take him? He's still he's still competing, right? He's fourteen now. It's crazy. Yeah. So he gets leased out occasionally, um, but I mean, he. I did my first Grand Prix on him. I mean, we've done everything. He's Bigger. super brave, and you—I <laughs> yeah, know—he's my baby. Yeah, he is. But you taught him everything you, he he knows. I mean, it's it that's great. And at your age, mm-hmm. you're not—you know—old to to be able to have that kind of experience. And then same with the other one, Sweetness. I mean, that's the horse of a lifetime. Won so many classes, and that horse uh, yeah. was five. Was he five? I think he was five. I think we got him as a six-year-old. Six. Okay. And maybe we got him at five and then, yeah. And then you guys picked up at six, but yeah, I mean that, that horse, same thing ended up going mm-hmm. so far with the development. So I guess, what do you think about somebody who wants to evaluate their situation? I know you took a little break from riding as well. Um, and then came back to it, mm-hmm. which to your point about it being a, you know, a, a disease, it really is. You, you can't, uh, it's there. It may be in slight remission, but you will be back. And that's going <laughs> to exactly. be like, you know, like what, what advice can you give to somebody about evaluating what their strengths are and how could they could maybe get started again, getting back into horses? What, what would, what would they do? I mean, for me, I, I don't know what anyone else can do, but for me it was, you know, I took my step back and it was really good for me to kind of, you know, I really enjoyed competing. I really liked being top of the sport, but what I missed the most was watching those horses develop. So when you take that step back, you can kind of see, okay, you know, I missed this, I missed this, but you can also really find the specific things that you miss. And I mean, for me, it's taking a young horse, putting the hours in and watching the body change and brain change and watching them grow into what they want to do. And that's, that's what I honestly, it was hardest for me to not do when I was out for two years. Yeah. And you are really, really good at that. And that's the thing is, uh, the person ha- who, who's interested in developing themselves as a rider trainer, you have to play to your strengths and that for sure is yours. And I know you're experiencing a little bit, um, you know, the desire to do that more versus similar, honestly, like what I'm doing, fewer clients, fewer lessons, and being able to put more energy into actual development management of horses. That leads to a question, though, Danny. It's 
the the for you guys, the training the horses part is easy. And and actually for anybody that's in the horse world, the horses part is easy. The business and people part is hard. So when you went into being full time, how did you get started? How did you make it work so that you could actually eat? Well, I um I was fortunate enough to be an assistant trainer. So I'm the person that still gets paid no matter what. And, you know, I get taken to the shows and occasionally I get to bring my horses along if there's enough funds there. Um, But it's a matter of figuring out, you know, I'm not huge on the clients. They're not my favorite thing, but that's what kept me going most recently is being able to have, you know, a group of people that wanted me there to teach them so that they would pay for me to be there and so I could still be doing what I wanted to do. And I think that's a part that, uh, you know, we talk about all the time here in the shows is is when when you're working your way up through the ranks as a working student or you're working as an assistant trainer, whatever that is, and I think Emily would agree with me here, we've had this conversation, is that you need to pay attention to what the successful people are doing in business, not just training horses. What are they doing right, right. on the business side of things? Because if you screw that up, you're out of business too. I mean, you got, you really have oh, two, yeah, for two sure. right? You have two sides yeah, of yeah. things. Yeah. And even like, okay, like I'm also, I, I prefer to put my energy into developing the horses, the young horses, sales horses and all of this. And I do deal with people, you know, I've got a trial at noon today. I mean, I've got a bunch of people that I deal with on a daily basis, but you, um, you know, the, the people factor, even on the sales side of things for the owners is so important, uh, the business rather, because you, there's so many different ways that people do business with uh, sending horses here and there and how they're insured and what the percentage commission is and how bills are paid. And, and that, that's where things go wrong. It's not always in the development of the horses or the trial's not going well. It really, that, that business behind the scenes stuff, you have to be very savvy and very, uh, you know, just thoughtful, really, as you go along, because things change. So where do you learn that? Is that learned by being a working student, by being, you know, do you learn that along the way with the people you work with? Basically, yeah. And you take works. What do you do, Danny? So basically, I get my business from you. um, Because I I mean, you're doing what... I would like to, so I know, much pressure. Right? Yeah, again, I get everything for you, and I'm going to blame you if it goes poorly for oh, me. Oh, and the high hands. <laughs> but, yeah, you rock them. Those high hands. You know, if I can't get my hands sure. down and my business doesn't work, I'm coming after you. <laughs> Danny's like two inches shorter than me. But you know, that so. that goes to show right there it is networking. And that's where I was trying to get you guys to go with this is in, in your world, it is your life revolves around networking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and having a reputation where people believe you when when Emily calls and says I have this horse that you know that you haven't screwed over everybody that came before you with horses that weren't this horse, right? Um oh, sure. So I think that's part of it too, right? Yeah, it's a real word yeah, of mouth business sure. too. Even even though you have like all these Facebook um groups, you know, in search of jumping horses, I know they get a lot of traction and uh you know, I I do business with people all over the world, but you, you're, you, you end up having a circle. You really do. And this I is a like business too. People. And I know a lot of people have bad reputations in this business, but that isn't helping them. They could have done better if they, if they hadn't screwed up. Right. Um, right. so it is a business where your reputation from, from the age that Danny is now, where, where she's coming into the wor- business, the business side of this world. Um, you're, 
you know, everybody knows you can ride, right? Everybody knows Emily can ride. Everybody knows Danny can ride. And now that's going to change. That's changing now to is Emily trustworthy? Is Danny trustworthy? Are they people I can trust that when they call and say, I have this horse, that's perfect. You know, I have the perfect horse for you. Is it the perfect horse? Or are they just trying to make a buck? Um, yeah. Because you only get to do that one what, once or twice, Emily. And then, you know, then that bridge is gone. Basically, yeah, it really is a word of mouth business. And especially on the kind of sales that we're doing, like Danny and I were over in Germany. We, yes, we were investing in our own careers, going to school and, and continuing our certification process through the FN. But also on the side, we were running over to Stahl Ramsbrock and trying horses and representing them. We hopefully have a couple going to the vet in the next week or two. And that those are those are horses that were not tried by the owner or the buyer rather right that that's off of purely uh word of mouth you know reputation and the riding is a component too because you know you've got to be able to put together a proper video at that level and show people you know be able to showcase what the what the horse can do but yeah it really is and uh, i think that's where i'm excited about danny's career and that's why i kept pushing her to come on because she she very much has paid attention to all of these things and she rides well. She's one of the top up, up and coming professionals and she is so young and her, she's, she's done it so strategically. And that's what I would encourage other people to do if they're interested in getting back into the business is you really need to play to your strengths and you need to uh, continue learning. It's, it's an evolving process. So as far as the business and the riding, the management, all of this. Yeah, I'll never feel like, you know, I've gotten to where I need to be. There's, always everything has to change there's always something new that has to happen always have to grow into it always have to find new people with new ideas and new things if you want to keep the business alive well and so you guys if you're going to texas at all uh danny is north of dallas she is also a bartender at a really nice restaurant that her family owns so you guys can go check that out at danny ray's she's a licensed so you need bartender. a horse trained she can at least get you drunk that's one of the yeah, other I know. Yeah. she's the yeah, she girl. if you fall off drunk Good. <laughs> hey, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Business is business. But you guys can check her out, Danny Beavers on Facebook. And uh, also, you're on Instagram, right? Who are you on Instagram, though? You're different. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still Danny Beavers, but oh, you my are? name is like Danny Says On. Yeah. But okay. Danny Beavers is still my name on Instagram. Well, you guys check her out. She's an up and comer. It'll be fun to watch. And thank you for calling in, Danny B. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye, Danny. Thank you, guys. Later. Bye. And the restaurant is Danny Ray's Gulf Coast Kitchen. It's so good. Danny's dad is like the best cook. Unbelievable. We had our business down there in Dallas, my husband and I, like for like six years, and uh, love these people. Really close family friends, and uh, the the cooking is unbelievable. So they opened a restaurant, and the the sister Rachel and Danny. So it's Danny Ray. Uh, they do like so much work there. This kid works so hard. She'll bartend at night and then go to the horse show during the day. Yeah, but that's, and they that's love what it. it takes, right? I mean, that's what it's it what takes. It, takes. Yep. it does. And boy, the yep. restaurant business is the hardest business in the world. That's just. Oh, ugh. I, I started so actually in the restaurant business, and it's just long hours and oh and, man, uh, a lot of hard work. Yep. Really yeah. Yeah. Well, is. she's. Getting getting it on both ends there. She's she's prepared though. She's a tough kid. And believe it or not, what she learns working in the restaurant business is going to help her too. 
So, yeah. you know, that'll help her on the horse side, you know, the business side of the, the restaurant business, business side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're so right. I mean, that's a huge component that I think people negate. They Budgets, just start all that stuff. Something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. the important things are yeah. like evacuation lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> you right. Know, preparations. Let's bring Jennifer on. Yay. Okay. We have our next guest is Jennifer Chopping from Caring Hearts for K9. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Yay. I'm so glad you made it. I've been stalking <laughs> you on Facebook for like months. <laughs> Your rescue is just really taking off. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's, it's been wonderful. The support behind us has been amazing. So for those of you who don't know Jennifer, she is the wife of Harold Chopping, a top Grand Prix and hunter rider. Um, I saw he was leading Grand Prix rider at HITS. He was for the Brookledge series, yes. Very That's exciting. That's awesome. That's exciting. Well, he's also yeah. an S-equestrian rider, rocking his S shirt, which he always looks so good in. He, uh, <laughs> that hunter is, is top two. You had a, uh, was it this year that you showed the hunter as well? Or was that last year that he got a top place? Um, we have Karamo. He's been with us for several years and I think he's led the Devaku series for the past three years or so. He's, he's wonderful. Very good. Very oh, good horse. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, and he rides so well. That's got to be fun to be part of the team and watch all that go down in person. It is. It's wonderful. Thank you. So tell me about Caring Hearts for Canine. When did you start this rescue? So I decided to start my own rescue in 2014, and we became a 501c3 in September of 2014. Um, there's a, a huge overpopulation problem everywhere, but especially in the South. So I thought I would take it upon myself and see if I could help my county and uh, North Carolina and also some surrounding areas, South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia. And you're in Southern Pines, right? I am, yes. Beautiful yep. area. Thank you. It is. It's wonderful living here. And you, so your rescue is actually based out of there, although you have a huge uh, horse show and Facebook presence. Do you bring dogs to the horse shows or how do you access? I see people adopting dogs like every day, I think on Facebook. Yes. Um, I don't bring dogs to the horse show typically because I bring my children to the horse show. So managing both <laughs> is a much. little bit hard, but um, you know, we have a really good network um, of, of people at the horse show that spread the word for us. So if somebody adopts a dog, we'll, we'll transport it to the horse show or I'll meet them you know, at the horse show or, or close to where they live if I can. Wow. And how many, how many dogs have you adopted to date? You know what? Today we saved our 1,000th dog. Oh, wow. Wow. Good, for you. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just over, to, just over two years with a 501c3 and today was a thousand dogs. Yep. Oh, congratulations. Yay. That's so exciting. I mean, that's huge. Thank that's you. so many. That's huge. Yes, that's, wow. that's a lot. Unfortunately, it's a lot, you know, but it means that we're saving saving them rather than being euthanized. That's so a I, good thing. So I have a good question for you then, because we deal with a lot of rescues here on the horse side and, you know, on all the animals, actually. And, you know, some do pretty well and some don't. What's been the secret to your success? Hmm. Um, you know, again, I think it's, I think it's the, the networking. Um, 
what started was in Moore County. I got a following for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. And a lot of the people that started to support me locally um, spread the word and got more people involved. And then we started fundraising in the area and just our past event, which was in September, we had 155 tickets sold out. Um, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the horse world is amazing because they, they want to do right by, by the dogs and by every animal. And they just help me. They network people, horse, uh, horse transportation will ship dogs to Florida for me. We've used Johnson horse transport before our local shipper, Max Curtis has helped us bring dogs to adopters. It's, it's been amazing. That was one of my questions about how, what is your volume that you're adopting out of state? It's got to be quite large. Yes. I would, I would say the majority of my adoptions are out of state. Uh, I have a couple of wonderful friends, uh, Kylie and Christy Tatra who live up in Vermont and Massachusetts in that area. And they spread the word. I mean, they are every day they're posting things on Facebook about me and, and they've gotten many, many, many dogs adopted for me. So we have weekly transport every Friday. There's a commercial transport that leaves uh, the South and just heads North with dogs. And uh, typically we have anywhere from five to 10 animals on that transport per week. Wow. And how do you, do you, so you go to the shelters and you select the ones that you think are adoptable or how do you, manage the front side of that? I, I don't, I don't typically select. I just, I just take, um, a lot of times I'll get calls from the shelter that one's been there too long or they're full and they have to euthanize. Um, I take a lot of heartworm positive dogs because our local shelter here, um, puts them all to sleep. They don't believe that they're adoptable animals. So Aww. I down here, I, I typically take all the heartworm positive dogs that I can. And a lot of I adopted dogs. one and then a heartworm positive. Yes. And, and just fine. Right. Yeah. They, oh yeah. No, she's highly great. adoptable as long as they're treated. Yep. 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 Do, do you have a deal with a veterinarian? Do you get veterinary help or do you end up paying for all that? Well, I pay for all of it. My, my vet, uh, Carthage Animal Hospital is very generous to me. He he stands behind me a hundred percent, and um, he's he is very good to me. I have to pay, but not nearly what I should be paying. So how I couldn't do, you, do it without him for sure. How do you tell a reputable organization from a not reputable organization? Even and that even goes from on the horse side. You know, how do you tell? Is there a, is there a magic way? I I think with rescue it's hard. But the way that I try to look at it is like my adoption contract. Um, you know, we, we do home visits, even for out-of-state adopters, we do home visits, oh, really? we do vet okay. references, we do personal references. And then it's also in my contract that if you decide you don't want the dog, whether it's a week later or five years later, we will, we will take it back, no question asked. Oh, that's good. That, I mean, that's pretty much yeah. a guarantee. T tell me, yeah. I was on Facebook. I was so excited for you all at the Hampton Classic. Tell us about what that was and what actually happened for Caring Hearts for Canines. So on the Friday class, um, the qualifier, they there were 10 riders that were each riding for a charity. 
and the top placed rider um, gave that money to the charity. What they did is, is the Hampton Classics sold autographed hats um, and the amount of money they received from the autographed hats went to the rescue. And uh, McLean Ward was picked for us, and fortunately, he won, and <laughs> we got a check for just over $16,000, which was Whoa. absolutely amazing. Yeah. How cool is that? Yes. It, was, it was amazing. And that it was is... perfect timing because we just, got a, we just got a building donated to us from a local family here in Southern Pines, and uh, so we needed, we needed that money badly to get the building in order. It, did this end up being more work than you ever imagined? Yes, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's always the way, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, it brings me great joy, saving lives. Um, you know, the one deal I had with my husband was that it it wasn't going to take over my life and take away from our children. So as long as it doesn't ever do that, I'll I'll keep doing it, and I've. I manage my time well, so I, I don't think there'll be a problem anytime in the future. Yeah, you are busy. I see that, and I you do I manage am. your time well. I'm always like, gosh, Jennifer's got the kids. She's going to the horse show. She's going to Saugerties. Now she's going back. She's adopting more dogs. I mean, you're yeah. all, a wild woman doing all this, but it's so cool, that, and it's been exciting to watch because it seems to be taking off so rapidly. It It is. Much faster than I ever thought, but you know, as as long as people stand behind me and the donations keep coming, it just means I can save more animals, which is the, the long term goal. Um, yeah, and I I was just looking at the adoptable dogs on her page. <laughs> oh, there's little Charlie. <laughs> Charlie's cute as a Dickens a terrier mix. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody should go look. Adopt some dogs this morning. Exactly. They exactly. Will be we can to we you. can get them to you. I'm glad yeah. you didn't have a greyhound on here, or I'd be in trouble. Uh-oh. So. Uh, <laughs> and we worked, you know, we uh, all our greyhounds have come through the the rescues, and and they do great work too. Uh, and and you know, there and I, you know, the greyhound rescues are very picky. They're, they're because greyhounds are such different dogs. I think they have to be. So they want to make sure they're ending up in the right house too. Do you get a lot of recidivism? Right. Do do you get them coming back, or, or is it because of the the more work you do on the front end, the less you have of that? Um, we, fortunately, we have not had a high return rate. Um, I, I think sometimes, uh, when people adopt a puppy, which they think is a great idea yeah. when they have so young children eating and want their them furniture. to grow up together. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Well, right. And, and you're trying to change diapers and take yeah. a puppy out. It doesn't always, you know, go hand in hand. So a lot of the adult dogs, we, I don't believe we've had any adult dogs returns, but uh, on a few occasions we've had puppies just because it's too time consuming or they, you know, not, not trained or whatever. So. Well, yeah, you definitely need to know what your, your time uh, availability is, what works in your lifestyle. I see you get all different kinds of dogs. So I'm sure you guys can find something out there. So check it out. It's caringheartsforcanines.com. And thank you, Jennifer, for calling in. And good luck with all of your endeavors in your new building. Thank you so much. We will talk to you guys soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. 
Bye. CaringHeartsForCanines.com. If you're anywhere in the southeast, you can check it out. Bubbles is on there. Uh, Charlie's on there. Cappy's on there. Blackie's on there. Onyx <laughs> is ready to go. So they have a whole bunch of different ones on there and good descriptions of them as well. A thousand dogs. That's unheard of. That's un- And you know what? I... They they seem to all be handled or in the home. You know, they're they're every picture that I see. I mean, they're in a, the home, and the people are, you know, playing with them in a normal environment, which is hard. You know, you go to the pound, and you know, I'm a sucker too. I've adopted plenty from the pound, but you don't you don't really know what you're getting, and they're not really temperament tested, and it's a very stressful environment there. So there's probably things popping up in the behavior that's not happening. You know, when you're in a home. Uh, a normal layback atmosphere. So that's probably got to play into their success too, as you really do know what you're getting. Right. Very good. Well, thank you for bringing her on. It's always fun to talk about the puppies. 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 That's right. And next up, we're going to talk to one of our terrific sponsors. Yes, we have Leslie from walshproducts.com. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you guys today? We're good. We're good. Preparing for a hurricane. Yeah, Emily's not so good. She just... Uh, she, I was a lie. I lied she, she's you. not doing great. She Before the show, oh, she's, like, she's like, my phone is blowing up. All these people who own horses are going, what are we going to do? And and uh, I don't know. Have you ever... Leslie, have you ever been to Emily's place? No, I have not. Well, you've been to Wellington many times. And yes. uh, Emily's yes. place is like a swamp. So, uh, like most of oh, Wellington, no. you know, so... Uh, it's lots of hatchy, so it's... Yeah, you know, it's really lots of hatchy. Yep. So, so what is the plan then? Well, I told everybody I'm on the radio until 1030. So we all discussed <laughs> And that was after. as far as the plan went. <laughs> I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. Right now it's sunshiny and 75. So we'll catch up later today. But today they have, it's the day that they're going to have like the mandatory evacuation list and start oh, like dear. really deciding. How do you get notified? Now. I was curious about that. How are you notified that you're, do you have to get the hell out? Well, I mean, I have the app on my phone. But, uh, I mean, is that how they're contacting people through the emergency system? Yeah, I mean, like, I just, yeah, I mean, like, it, it just the, the new, like, through the news, I mean, you're hearing about it. It's And all your friends calling everywhere. you saying, Emily, don't drown. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, and, like, those two horses that are on the truck <laughs> that are coming down to me, you know, the, the driver's like, you know, we've got to make the decision to either go to Ocala or come down to you. I'm like, well, can it wait until 1030? But I think that's my most immediate decision is whether those <laughs> horses are taking 95 continuing. Well, yeah, uh, I'd say stop in Ocala. That's what I said. I know, too. But that's only two and I've got 15 here. So it's like, well, <laughs> you know, I told her Maybe to get a great big, she place. needs an arc. That's I what need she an needs. Arc. She's an yes, arc. You do. Get building, Emily. Yes. <laughs> you got oh two God. days you to know build we your have arc. the arc now in Kentucky, right? You yes. can go visit the arc that they built. <laughs> yeah, we could just float it down there. Uh-huh. That's be what good. We need. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we need the arc. I did get my little baby at least up there, Halo, to Ocala. Oh, there you guys you go. gotta go see oh, him. He's good. probably close to you. Well, Leslie, you wanted oh, to talk today a little bit about transitioning from outdoor shows to indoor shows, and it's hard for me to believe that we're that close to that, by the way. Oh, man. Uh, this year well, has just flown and it's by. it's funny because, right, and it's funny because when I was thinking, what, do, what are we going to talk about today? And I'm staring out my window. I'm looking at the weather. I don't mean to make anyone else jealous, but it's 80 <laughs> degrees here in Lexington, and it's hard to believe that it's like fall in most other places. But I'm always reminded when it's fall here because Keeneland starts up and there's all these other horse. It's like a revival of horse events. The Breeders' Cup is next week. 
the Breeders' Cup is coming up. We have Keeneland wow. going on. We have standard bred racing. There's still horse shows going on at the horse park every weekend. It, it's it's just kind of hard to believe that we're moving indoors in a month. You know, one of the things I miss, uh, I love. we love going to Keeneland, but it was always so crowded that it kind of took some of the fun out going to the races. If you went on the weekend, yeah. is we loved going to the Red Mile. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah. watching the res- races at the Red Mile. It's just like a, the Red Mile's like a party. It's like a big party. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they've completely redone the entire, the entire oh, really? facility. So it's, Have they? Oh, yes. Oh, so, yes. I so hope yes, it has that old charm feel. Now. Oh, really? At the Red Mile? Yeah. At the Red oh. Mile. You need to come back. I didn't know that. We you know, do does, yeah. it, does it still have the old time charm of the 1900s? Or the 1800s? I don't know. I think it's kind of lost a little bit of that. The barns certainly do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the barns haven't been upgraded. No, neither has the electric or the water probably either. But <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> but the exactly. people are comfortable while pulling the slots. Uh, exactly. <laughs> That's what's important. No, so I was thinking about it, and, and I actually um, took my turn at running a little cross-country course over the weekend out at the horse park um, with a five-year-old thoroughbred and had so much fun galloping around, galloping around. And then immediately was thinking, in a month, we're indoors. And so to take this horse who's, who's used to galloping around these fences and say, wow, he's got a big stride. He's got to like compact this stride and get it back for indoors. And he's, he's not spooky per se, but he hasn't really done an indoor show. So I was trying to think, what would I do to set him up to do that? And thinking, I got to start now if he's going to be in the ring in a month. Oops, did we lose Emily? Let me... Uh-oh. No, oh. I'm here. Okay, there you go. Did Sorry we lose about that. Leslie? Leslie, are you there? I was at the edge of my seat. Are you, are you there? Yeah, no, I there think we, we, okay, we just there had we go. everybody okay, cut out for back. a second. That might have been <laughs> What over. are you going to do? The, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I hear the wind building now, no, Emily. <laughs> no, yes, the power is down, and I haven't made any plans yet. I thought, geez, that storm came up quick. <laughs> <laughs> I told everybody 1030. All right, on. sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So I started thinking about what are the products in the wash line that I would use, and um, it would be some draw reins. Um, just to set him back a little bit. And we have the rope cavison, which could probably correct him a little bit, a um, little bit more than just a regular nose band. And we still have these Barris bits that are very popular. We're having actually trouble keeping them in stock. We need to plan it a bit better for those. And my go-to for that would be the three-ring port bit, um, which you can use with two reins or a ring bit converter, which we also sell. So I was going through my whole tack trunk thinking, what, how am I going to change things up to make this horse go indoors and focus? And then the one piece I don't have, which is the blinders, the leather blinders, because I think he might just be spooky enough with the crowds at the indoor, um, you know, to sit, to sit up higher than what the ring is. It's a little bit different than, than what you what they have to do. Do the blinders outside. really work in the indoor in that situation? Because obviously people are all around. They are, but I think if you're going down the long side, you know, through a combination, I think it just adds a little bit more focus for focus, them. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the thing is, it cuts out the behind, and that you don't want them yeah. thinking backwards. You want them thinking forward, even though they have to be controlled. Like you're saying, it's much more control in an indoor, but just cutting out what's behind them so the focus is at least forward. Jeez, do you make it, those for humans? It, Most of us need to do that. Yes. Not worry about what's behind yes. and look forward. <laughs> we need life blinders. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. That's very good advice, Glenn. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh. So you, now, yeah. So that's what I've been focusing on. I, you know, and it just came to me this weekend. Um, you know, we were dying of heat running around the cross country course, but it is fall in many other places, and people are kind of gearing up for indoor season starting. So you know, the let's last do this. Week of October. Let's get specific. Take that bit that's so popular and tell us why. Um. Well, I like it. I like uh, the first of all. What bit. is it again? Um, what, what's it called? So we can find Barris. it. Over there? The barest three ring port, okay. the mouthpiece is a port, and we actually sell it in different. You can get it in the leather straight bar, um, a butterfly. Um, I personally like the port; it just has a different shape in the horse's mouth. It's very comfortable for them, um, and I do the soft version. Barest comes in a hard and a soft, but the idea of the three ring means it's not a full on pelham action. It's a little bit softer than that. So on a five-year-old, I don't need all that much. He's got a really nice soft mouth, um, but he can get a little strong because he gets nervous, not because he's just pulling. So I've tried it on him and he really likes it. So I've done it both with the two reins and with um, a ring bit converter just for the one ring. So they have, what is, how hard, how hard is that material? Well, it's actually very flexible. The soft one is very flexible. You can bend it um, in your hands. The hard one is hard. So it's, it's just your personal preference on, on what your horse is used to. I don't think Obviously, I've seen on one a younger of the flexible horse, ones. They, um, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it um, yeah. by looking at it. The, the, they're just two different, two, a hard and a soft that we sell them in. We sell That's mostly cool. soft to most people. Um, some of the bigger riders, the Grand Prix riders, um, they might need something a little heavier. Um, but at the level that, that my friends are showing at and everything, we pretty much have soft, simple bits in their mouths. That's great. I, yeah, I, I, I want to try one out. They look really, really effective. Yes. Yeah. And they're super quality. These are German, um, German-made bits, um, and they're made to order. You know, when we do our purchase orders, they make everything to order. Wow. The tongue pressure yeah. is a real thing. A lot of people are, are on, on that boat, and it really is, uh, it makes a big difference. It really does. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. And I'm a, I come from the school of thought, you know, when they're young, you try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, but he is a big boy, 17 hands, and going into the indoor with some some jumps he gets a little <laughs> little nervous so. so he's he's young he's relatively green he's uh, doing cross country um out on the field oh yes oh yes they love it little That's stuff great. but through the water and up and over banks and um across a ditch and all sorts of little things he loves oh. it absolutely loves it yep and then so then but in the that's winter a good gallop yeah that's a totally different yeah i mean you're really yeah. really galloping out there <laughs> They had the uh, yeah. eventing. They do an eventing uh, course in Germany as well because you've got to like. I'm going to go back for my trainer license, and I've got to test out an eventing as well, which I've never really done. But I did stand out there and watch some of these experienced eventers schooling the mm -hmm. horses. I mean, mm -hmm. they are 
I don't know what footage the gallop is on, but it's like crazy. It is so open and so big. And you think like, how on earth do you take that horse inside and jump a stadium course? It's like totally right. Yeah. At the lower levels, you're not expected to gallop quite at that pace. Um, you know, and that's, and that's part of the fun of going out there and trying to manage your pace and figure out what it should be. They, they, and partly just, because they don't want people dying every day. So I you thought that. Well, I was watching. I, think, I was like, these people are going to die right in front of me. It's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> oh I've God. always actually been nervous watching it. So to go out and do it and have some fun was really good. But it is, I mean, he was a very forward, you know, um, borderline hand gallop. And, you know, to some things backed off and that's fine. And then galloping through the water, he loved it. Um, he loved it. He loved his job, loved what he did. The only problem he had was at a ditch, which I thought was so funny because he'll jump anything, but wow. he didn't like the little faux ditch. That was his biggest problem. He got very worried about that. <laughs> and how long have you had him? Um, it's a friend of mine's horse that I'm riding and loving and just having fun with. That's so, great. Me to take on a new young horse right now with my work schedule. I just can't really do it quite yet. Yeah, but you can't, uh, you can't not ride. You got to just keep getting it in. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's great. Well, you guys check it out. Walshproducts.com. You can check out the Barris bits, draw reins, any, the blinders. I'm a big fan of those. Um, really everything. You've got everything at walshproducts.com, but those are very good suggestions. Yeah. And thank you, Leslie, for I, calling in. It's always fun. And also, Leslie, I wanted to mention thank that you guys. over on our driving radio show, I know you guys are huge in the harness racing market, and we're going to yeah. be highlighting harness racing. We have uh, Heather Vitali, who is a big TV personality, coming on the driving show this week. So we'll be talking some harness racing over there. And I, I know that oh, uh, you guys have been doing that for like, 70 years or something. Long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, the owner of the company is coming into town to do Red Mile. Um, oh, cool. Because the meet starts this week. Yes. Very cool. Yes. We uh, leave that mostly up to him, but maybe you can talk to him sometime. That would be fun. Yeah, we'd need to do that. And uh, Wendy and I from the Driving Radio Show, we've been, we've been invited now by a couple of tracks to come over and give a, give a try to driving uh, the racehorse. Oh. So we're going <laughs> to yeah, give that a shot. That. I, I mean, I'd just love to try that. That's, that looks like so much fun <laughs> and, a, and a disaster in the making. It's both. Seriously, <laughs> I want this do- video documented. You yeah. may have to go. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's walshproducts.com. W A L S H products.com. Check them out today. Thanks, Leslie. Bye, Leslie. Thank you, guys. Take care. Stay dry. Hey, uh, if we don't have the show next month, can you co host? Because Emily might be out to sea. So, oh, I know. Yeah. Yes, we, absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. Because I'll need a co host when she's floating around in the Atlantic someplace. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> making it worse, Glenn. I'm already nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, Leslie. Take Enjoy care, you guys. Greece, Leslie. Bye. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'll liven it up a little. I got a song for you, and then we're coming up with, we have, uh, what do we have coming up next? We have Erin Gilmore. It's giving us kind of the state of jumping, and there's been so yeah. much going on. And totally. She's been at all of it, and I she saw she saw my good friend Kaylee Kuko jumping over there in L.A. Oh, yeah. LA Masters. Yeah. My go good, next year. My good friend. Um, so I wonder if she managed to... You know, I have a bounty on her head so to get her <laughs> on the show. So maybe Aaron got her to come on the show. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. I'm we'll doubting that. Up. But <laughs> I thought I'd play a song for you. the last moment. <laughs> I thought I'd play a song for you today that Uh-oh. ties in 
exactly with our uh, guest earlier. It's called Rescue Husband Blues. Oh. Well, I knew I was in trouble when my wife saw this old horse. He's a pathetic thing, and she said, we've just got to take him home. Know that we can feed him up and get him back on his feet. Next thing I know, there's 14 more in my wife's rescue lead. Suddenly, she's getting 15,000 emails a day. Most of them from people trying to send another horse our way. A few times I tried to put the brakes on, but it was just too late. She hypnotized 14 other wives all across the state. Well, I guess there's worse obsessions that my darling wife could choose. But that sure don't stop me from having the rescue husband blues. We fostered a thousand horses, most whose names I can't recall. But at least I know a little piece of my wallet went out with them all. Now my wife loves the horses, and I've just had to accept that. I'm having a little more trouble with these 40 dogs and cats. Everything was fine until they commandeered my chair. Covered every piece of clothing I own with piles and mounds of hair. Next thing you know, I'm gonna be renting another house. Cause the animals will unionize and quickly vote me out. I'd like to think my wife will side with me when that day comes. But I don't know, she's got little years for creatures with opposable thumbs. I guess there's worse obsessions that my darling wife could choose. That sure don't stop me from having the rescue husband blues. We fostered a thousand horses, most whose names I can't recall. But at least I know a little piece of my wallet went out with them all. Now I know some of you fellas out there can surely sympathize. Same thing's been going on at your house and with your darling wives. So let's start us up a club. Let the meeting start. Cause there's a whole lot of Shinerbach beer in misery. Come on and do your part. We've got the well, rest. I knew I was in trouble. Blues. Sure don't got no money left to lose. Let's get together and talk about the days before our wives are rescue slaves and drink away so rescue husband blues. Just can't shake these rescue husband blues. That's Spencer Williams with Rescue Husband Blues. You can find all of his music on Reverb Nation or iTunes. Just search for Spencer Williams. He has other fun songs like that. That's obviously one of my favorites, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, that it's very appropriate. It is. And you can tell uh, by which beer he drinks that he's from Texas. So there you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would be. I would really be guilty if I didn't work so hard and have to move around all the time. I mean, I would be like collecting rescue animals. Every like horse the girl, every yeah. horse girl would do that. And it's not just horses either; it's dogs and cats. <laughs> oh the, yeah, and in totally. Jamie's case, we had chickens and every other animal you could think of. But yeah, that is true. Now you were just over in Eng- or not England, but you were over in Europe. You were in Germany, right? Yes. And you went over there because you were continuing your education. Tell us about what happened. Last time you were on, you told us that you were heading over there to continue your testing. And this time, uh, and you were a little concerned about dressage. So uh, because we all know how well you like a dressage. Yes. 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 Uh, Yeah, I'm a big fan. I haven't sat in a dressage saddle in like eight years. (laughs) Um, and so I did, I was really good about going back for my certification the first few years. I went like every year and I was really, you know, how many years it does it take and to get, and you're going for what certification? Um, it depends where you can stop testing out. It goes all the way to the top to Grand Prix level. Um, you have to register by discipline. So I'm show jumping, although I will have to test out uh, dressur and eventing, uh, at a lower level. Um, and I would like to get my trainer license, uh, in which case I'll have to do all of those, but I'll specify, uh, jumping. And what it is, is it's the FN, which is the German national federation. Uh, everybody who rides over there needs to complete the certification process up to whatever level that they can. Um, and you start at the very basic level, the kids start, and then it continues on. So, I mean, it would probably take you, uh, Gosh, I mean, if you depending if you could go back on multiple courses a year, maybe it would only take you six, seven years. If, but, you know, that's if you already had most of the information. I mean, you've got to kind of learn it along the way. And then the like the top riders that are out there competing for Germany, they've got their their uh, gold or their gold medal, which is not awarded through school. You can't earn that. You um, have to get it through actual like Grand Prix. I think you have to win 50 Grand Prix in order to get that. Uh, and whatever your discipline is. So yeah, I mean, it's hardcore, but it, I mean, you have to have a license to lunge, you know, to do everything. So for me and that, that very few places have such a regimented. Oops. They do a lot. There you're back again. Okay. You just went away for a second. I'm back. Okay. But yeah, there's very few places have that. So it's, uh, that, that was my interest and, and the German team is always so, so successful with so many different riders and horses. So that I, I did take a break though. So I didn't go back for like eight years and I was feeling it. I got very busy, you know, I had my business to attend to and I just, and I went back shopping, you know, I always go over to Europe each year and shop for people, uh, agent. So I'd done that, but I just thought, you know, I really need to get that going. But unfortunately the level that I was applying for, uh, really you should do consecutive. You should, you know, be practicing before you go back to school. And I was meant to come and do my test in the double bridle for medium dressage. Um, Thank God when I got there, they had redone the whole testing system and they'd actually added a few levels because it was just too hard to jump from one to the next without a little step in between. So thank God I... (laughs) I lucked out and I ended up in one of the half steps. I don't even so. know how you would hold the reins for a double bridle. Your hands oh, are so tiny. <laughs> I was having like nightmares because we're going to class all the time. I had night classes until like 1030 at night sometimes. You know, you have to do a written exam, oral, and read the books and everything. And uh, we we did, I, there are so many different ways to hold the reins. I mean, I had to learn how to hold all the double bridle reins in one hand. Like, is that even possible? 
And then yeah, in driving, we call that the Achenbach method. I yes. don't know if they call it that in dressage, but in driving, uh, that's what we call it because that's all the reins in one hand, even in a foreign hand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a lot, you know, and I, I think to really be able to master the different maneuvers, even in the jumping ring, you really see how the dressage impacts that. So even Danny, you know, she and I both came back the last time together. Uh, and so we were both on the same sort of hiatus and showed up horrifically unprepared and terrified to get into the dressage saddle. But sure enough, by the end of the two weeks, three, three weeks, however long the course was, um, our jumping was so much better. And they have real FN German judges come in and, and they judge your jumping round. They judge your dressage round. And then there's horse practicum theory. Um, I mean, so much. There's so much. So many textbooks. I mean, I, it, it's all I could think about. I like couldn't think straight. My brain is probably still scrambled. The yeah. Phyllis method, how many irons there are. Is it done in English or German? or? There is only one course per year done in English. Uh, Everything else is in German. So when I go back, um, I'm going to get my silver with the double bridle and the the higher jumps. Um, I think I test out at meter 40, meter 45 next time. And then uh, after that level, I essentially need to learn German because I want to get my trainer C license, but they don't offer that course in English. So it's been done. You know, people have, have learned the the words that you need to know, the the horse care and parts of the you know, double bridle and wow, all of these things. That's a double exactly. challenge. <laughs> I know. I shall learn double bridle and German next year. Well, tell us really quick while Jennifer's getting our next guest on, getting Aaron ready to give us the state of jumping report. Um, what uh, what's it like horse shopping over there? Do you just uh, do you deal with a broker? Do you go to a mall and they're all just lined up? What do you do? I wish. <laughs> It, you know, it's different. It depends who is shopping, what you're shopping for, um, you know, what, what what your contacts are. I think I've done multiple different ways of doing it. I have previously visited, you know, five different contacts in different countries and hopped around quickly a day here, a day there. Um, they... I probably honestly like the bit there's so many horses first of all Jennifer like, wants sh- to know if there's a Craigslist oh Craigslist oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah, there should be we should maybe start that if we could just get a little bit of organization here because you just don't know I mean they're all over the place and you can go depending on your budget I shop for trainers for eight for um dealers that want to buy something young or green or really good for those all the way up to shopping direct for clients. For me at this stage, I've done it every which way. What I like to do is I, I have a, a very good relationship with uh, one of the top stud farm breeders in uh, Europe. He's second to Shockamole in volume, Stahl Ramsbrock, Heinrich Ramsbrock. That's where I've shopped for the last, say, 12, 15 years. And I, he has hundreds and hundreds of horses. Um, he breeds them. He had top horses. I think at the Athens Olympics, this is dating going back, but he bred... 26 of the horses between uh, jumping, dressage, and eventing. He had Cornetto Belinsky. I mean, he's had top, top horses there. First Heinrich was a horse, a dressage superstar that he bred. Um, so I go there and it is, I mean, depending on my budget I that I'm shopping for, and, and this time multiple budgets, um, you can sit on as many as you can. They bring them out. They're braided one after another, and the rider rides them around. You see it. Do I like it? Uh, should I get on and make a video like, you know, what, what the look is, the age or whatever. But I, I, I looked at probably 20 this last time with 
a few fairly specific uh, budgets. The last year that I went, I think I looked at 30. So, I mean, they've got probably 100 horses under tack for jumping and maybe 100 for dressage, and then the rest are bre- breeding horses. Well, that's crazy. That's just nuts. Well, we do have our next guest ready here, and we're going to hear from Aaron. Tell me where in the world is Aaron Gilmore. Well, good morning, Erin. Good morning, you guys. How are you? Good. Now, you're in L.A. I got a question for you. Did you get an interview for us with Kaylee Kuko? Kaylee Kuko. Mm, a complicated answer. First of all, I'm uh, leaving L.A. I'm in the wine country, Northern California now. Oh, she's been drinking. Much nicer than L.A. Which is what- <laughs> No, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, and she's still hungover. And watching the sunrise. (laughs) Uh, Drinking coffee, for sure. Uh, The horse show in L.A. was very nice. Uh, Kaylee didn't have the best weekend. She she scratched the rest of the show, so um, she was not in the interviewing mood. Uh, Ah. How about her new boyfriend? How did he do? Yeah, he didn't have a great show, although we did interview him. I'm, I've actually known him since he was about 16. He's from uh, right where I'm from in the Bay Area. How did he land a multi-millionaire uh, celebrity? You mean how did she land a successful Grand Prix rider? That's it. That's what I meant. Yes. Uh, oh, that's, that's it. That's, that's exactly. it. <laughs> I don't, you know, they, they seem really cute and happy together. Do they? Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're just nice people. Okay, so, so she she jumps under, or she shows under a pseudonym. Uh, she uses a different name for showing. Why bother? Everybody knows. Uh, I think that's mostly for the mainstream paparazzi who are included. Everyone in the horse world is really respectful of her and and don't make too big of a deal with her. She's a she's a nice girl, normal girl, as normal as you can be, and she's just like us. She likes riding horses. Yeah, so I think everyone's a big fan of her. Cool. Very good. All right. Sorry, didn't mean yeah. to hijack that. But uh, we have a bounty on our head to come on the shows. So we're offering a reward to whoever can get her to come on for an interview. <laughs> That'll happen. You, she knows who. Yeah. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> so if you're listening now, Kaylee, I'll play, pay you the reward. Uh, not that you need it, but we'd be happy to have you come on the shows. We're very nice here. So, um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about horses. So you've been traveling a lot. Geez, you've had New York and Central Park. You've been, you've been all over the place and, and then LA. So give us an update. I have been traveling the least I've been traveling all year. I was not at Central Park. I was oh, you in weren't? the Hampton Classic and I, no, um, and I did do, uh, LA. I'm, I'm attempting to live a normal life, Glenn. It's hard. But I, I'm so far I'm doing okay. I was at my own house for about a month, wow. which is uh, huge for me. Yeah, and now I'm actually seeing my home state for the first time all year, which is California. And um, I've got one more week here, and I'm going to see a World Cup qualifier in Sacramento on Saturday, then go back to Florida. So as normal as normal can be. So what is new in the jumping world? What report can you give us here? You know, we, we just started our indoor season, so we, we just moved from the big open grass fields and arenas to the teeny tiny indoor arenas. Um, Long Beach was the first one, and it was really small. So I think a lot of riders 
who did that show had to adjust. A lot of horses had to adjust. It was a, a show with plenty of plenty of little dramatic moments, but not a good one. Everyone's kind of settling into that. And um, now we're off and running with uh, indoor shows on both coasts. So uh, it never stops. <laughs> right, Emily? Never stops. Oh, it never stops. No, <laughs> it just all bleeds one into the next. Now that, just going back yeah. to the LA Masters, I was so excited that you were there. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, that horse show? And they moved it, didn't they? I, I've never been myself. I would love to go, but I saw that they they moved it. Yeah, they moved it to a little bit more of an appealing location in Long Beach. It was right downtown Los Angeles the last two years, which was fine. They're trying really hard to get people to come and watch. And that's sort of my bone to pick with America is that people don't realize that this is the best sport in the world. And it's right on their doorstep. Um, in Europe, the place would be filled with 10,000 people. And there was a good crowd each night of the show in Long Beach, but um, not near as full as it could be. So the more we talk about it, the more they talk about it. I think the better, the better it'll be. And they're not going anywhere. They've got a five-year plan. They're going to keep coming back with the LA Masters. So don't worry. You'll have plenty of chances to go. Um, I know. It is, it's great. It looks- I don't know how you well, fix that, that either. That, that right? I don't know how you fix that. I don't uh, know marketing. how. Marketing. Come on. Marketing. I know. But, marketing. but marketing. what do you marketing. do to get people to actually come out? I mean, that's, you know, you say marketing, but there's got to be some slick TV ads. There just has to be, it has yeah. to be really slick. I mean, doesn't it? It really well, does. Well, when we when we talked to five people at the show who walked in off the street who didn't even know what was happening, okay, you know that there, it needs to be talked about, talked about more, right? Yeah. So people were coming and watching, and and we're like, wow, we didn't even know, and then we saw the sign. Okay, we'll go to a horse show. You know, um, that's all it that's all it really takes. And uh, Central Park did a pretty good job this year getting more people. They they took you know a horse on uh, I think it was like the late show. Oh, they had uh, uh, they had Frederick week. the Great all over the place, uh, yeah. which was a smart right. move. Yeah, that was a Virginia smart. Bloomberg goes on the morning show in New York City, and so things like that help. Um, but it is it's the, the LA Masters and Central Park don't really compare. Central Park is almost like an exhibition. LA Masters is serious, top level, five star competition. No one's messing around. You've got the best riders with their good horses, and it is just it is just like a European indoor. They do a great job. Hmm. So, so yeah. So that go- leads to the question about why the Europeans can fill it and we still can't. But they're always have they always have most of the countries over there always have been more of a horse culture than ours. Uh, yeah, of course. And they're smaller. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. You know, that's not so spread out. And they're more educated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we 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 know why they can fill it, but I think that we'll uh, we'll get there. I will tell you, I went, uh, when I was in Germany, the one week, uh, was the Bundes champion at the young horse championships there at Warrendorf. I could not believe how many people were there. It was unbelievable. They have the dressage and the jumping, um, the vendor area. There were probably 300 different vendors set up and up and I did sit up in the stands for a while, which was packed watching. I think I watched the end of the five-year-olds and then I watched most of the six-year-olds, and so many people that were in the stands, I I don't I can't imagine that they had much to do hands on with horses. You know, they just looked like normal 
people, kids and stuff, older people. There was such a widespread demographic of people there marking up their pages, watching. It was really like I know that that's the case, but to really sit in the stands and see the people around me thinking, wow, this is uh, it really is different. The the education is much it's much more prevalent everywhere uh I, I don't know how we do that i guess making you know getting it on tv well, uh, is one yeah. thing and i think that helps i think the, yeah. the more people are exposed to it on tv it's going to be better and we are getting more tv coverage across the board even in racing than we had before with nbc and uh, mm-hmm. helping to pick that we are this, uh, the, the grand prix it was actually aired on cbs sports last night at 9 p.m the grand prix from the la masters so um that was a that was a nice step for them and he um, has this show in Paris and Hong Kong also. And last year I went to the Paris show and it was just like unbelievable. It was such a great show, such a great atmosphere, very patriotic. It was right after the attacks in Paris and they were afraid people wouldn't come because of those, but all the French people came. They're very patriotic about it. And, uh, and the classes they have are great. They have a great speed class on what was it Friday night and they have what in the speed class, what we started calling the circle of death. They have a, a five-sided circle that you have to jump into and then jump out of in two strides. And you can imagine what happens. It was like really interesting who could get it in there and get out and who couldn't. Um, so they're doing new things. It's exciting. It's fun. Well, and, and, uh, and, and people can understand that, right? I mean, that's very understandable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they short, shorten the time uh, so that if you if you have a rail, it's only two seconds instead of four faults, and so it makes it more competitive. And it's it really an exciting and great class. And you know, I think that's part of it too is gearing it more toward people who don't know much, or even horse people who you know go to a hunt or jumper show who don't jump. Uh, and it you know you. you, you the, you're relying on the announcer to kind of explain everything, but can, can you, like the scoring and eventing is impossible to figure out. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and, right. <laughs> yeah, it just is impossible to figure out. And so, you know, doing things that make it easier for spectators helps too. Plus, you've got to have something other than stadium food. You've got to have better food. Do they have better food in Europe at the shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at oh, these yeah. big shows, yeah. 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 Well, then you should come to the LA Masters next year. The better food? food? We should do oh, good, it. Good, Road good, trip. Yes. Good, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or we'll fly. We'll get that interview with Kaylee yet. Champagne and caviar. <laughs> yeah, because Let's that's part Make of it, too. now, okay? <laughs> Seriously. We haven't even planned for the evacuation. I don't yeah, know how we're yeah, supposed to plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your house isn't going to be there when you get back uh-oh, either, by the way. Uh oh. Give, give me my Florida update. Uh, oh, talking, no. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, we, we it's have. It's going to be here any day. Yeah, and in another couple days. Your house isn't going to be there anymore. So, oh my gosh, yeah, I know. Thanks, we'll thanks, Glenn. I appreciate right. that. Just, Thank I'm, you. I'm just Are you, get you your ready. house is in Wellington, right? You're prepared. Oh, ah! Yeah, my house is in Wellington. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you definitely don't want to come this week. I can tell you that, and it's debatable whether or not you'll be able to come the next week. <laughs> So <laughs> stay tuned. Emily's freaking out. She's got 15 horses at home and, and we need to get her off the show so she can start dealing with all the calls that are coming in right now. Um, so Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We really hope your home is there. We're just kidding. 
about that. But, but uh, you know, it's kind of serious. Yeah. My home is everywhere. My That's right. Yeah, really. you know Aaron has nothing to worry about. You are She's both welcome to plane. come here to Ocala. We have we have an extra room for you. I'll set oh. aside, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, no Thanks. problem. I know I can count on you. All right, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron, so Thanks, much for Aaron. joining us. Noelfloyd.com right. is the Check website to see all of Aaron's work and the best website out there for the sport of show jumping. Thanks a bunch, Aaron. That's right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, we better let you go and get out of here. <laughs> I did. I told everybody 1030. Why are you rushing me? I, want to <laughs> I take you to have things to deal with. I'll just, oh, my uh, gosh. I know. Some of my, my texts do actually come through on my computer. Oh, and so. have they been nonstop? Yeah. Where are you? Why aren't you answering? Yes. Our horse is in peril. They're all going to die. I know. Yeah. All right. Really well, is. we'll take you out with the sound of the hurricane approaching. <laughs> Thank you again, Emily. Where can people find your clothing? We didn't even talk about that. I know. Sequestrianco.com. You guys check it out. We got all kind of new colleges signed up. You're going to see the shirts all over IHSA, IEA. The custom program is really taking off and the jackets. So check it out. Sequestrian. It's ecequestrianco.com or on Facebook. Emily Thompson, Sequestrian. Very good. And of course, you can uh, find all of Emily's past episodes. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com, search for jumping, and it'll pick up all of Emily's past episodes. If you want to take a listen to those, the easiest way to listen to our show is our app, iOS or Android, downloaded to your phone or your your tablet. Uh, and it's free. It's easy. Just search for Horse Radio Network, one of 10 different shows on the network. That's it for today. Tomorrow morning, we'll be back. It's a special Disney episode of coming to you with all of the doctors at Animal Kingdom. It seems like everybody coming on the show tomorrow is a doctor. So a veterinarian or zoologist of some sort or another. And we're going to learn about all the different animals and their rescue efforts around the world. So join us then. All right. We'll see you, Emily. Good luck. Keep in touch. Let us know. I will. All right. Bye-bye. If you blow by here in Ocala, we'll catch you. You're welcome. You're so light, you might do that. Put on weighted shoes. <laughs>